Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And really, this is going to be like a part one of two podcasts I'm going to do on how the Rockies are setting up for the future and really starting to get this look at what the opening day roster might look like next season. That is, if some things don't go differently in this final month, right? But essentially, where are we now and what's left to be decided? But at first, and I'm going to talk on the next one about the uh, the lineup and the position player unit, because I see a lot of people saying, especially as they're getting you know crushed by Atlanta, how could anyone possibly think this team could be you know anywhere close to being able to compete with a team like that? And I think when you, you know, take a step back and look at the position player unit, not only that the Rockies have right now, but that they have coming up, there's plenty of reason for hope. But we really do have to begin here where I am today, which is with the starting pitching, where quite frankly, quite frankly, there's a lot less reason to hope. Right. And so even though that is definitely true. I want to hyper-focus on three pitchers today who've been doing a lot better lately and see if we can determine whether or not we can believe that this is going to be sustainable or, or whether the Rockies have something here, nothing here, maybe something. Because when you look at it, with Marquez and Sensatella still on the shelf to begin next season, recovering from the TJ, what do you have? Right. What is, in other words, to, to if, if our working premise is that Bill Schmidt, presumably, is going to try to go out in the offseason and get players that they think are going to make the team better right away to compete as soon as possible. Where does he need to do that and what does he already have? When you look at the starting rotation, it's Kyle Freeland, who's been up and down this year, but mostly solid, is sitting right around the league average right now. I think it's at 97 is the ERA plus. Uh, it's also been a brutally unlucky season for Kyle, which although they've all said the correct things, I do think it's, you know, taken its toll. But then right now you have these three other guys who oddly enough are all pitching very well and are part of the reason why for the most part, obviously with some exceptions now with Atlanta, the Rockies have been in these games with really good teams, Tampa Bay and Baltimore and so on, right? It's been Austin Gomber, Peter Lambert, and Ty Block. And they're not, you know, pitching the doors off the place. I'm not sure that's a phrase, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> but here's what they have done, right? So Gomber has, in the last couple of games, tripped up. He had a bad one against Arizona where he was going pretty well, but then ended up giving up the six earned runs, kind of collapsed late in that one. Uh, then had another pretty good start against Tampa, and then he got hurt and had to come out of the game against Atlanta. Before that, he went on an 11-game stretch where he was posting a 3.22 ERA and a 3.73 fielding independent pitching. So pretty true to the number. 64 innings pitched over 11 games and a 3.22 ERA with, let me look, one, two, three, four of those coming out on the road, so most of them coming at home. He's been pretty darn good. Now, there are some caveats here. A 270 batting average against is pretty darned high. 
But when you look at the other numbers, the 304 on base, and as we know, he went on a really, really good stretch of not walking guys here. Nine walks in these 64 innings pitched. And he went on a stretch of eight consecutive games where he walked either one or zero batters. And that'll really help you limit the damage, even if guys are getting hits off you. The other thing that he's done a much, much better job about, and you can go back to any conversation I've ever had about Austin Gomber, I'm always talking about this, the home runs. Six home runs against him in those 64.1 innings pitched. It's still an okay amount, but for him, dramatically better. For a guy who, for a while there, for most of last season and the beginning of this one, was averaging, and not even like averaging, actually giving up a home run a game. But the hitters are now just slugging 403 against him during this 11-game stretch, right? So despite the 270 batting average against, it's just, it's a 707 OPS against... And that's part of why, you know, with the fielding independent pitching, you go, yeah, he's given up some singles, but he's also getting his ground balls and he's not giving up free passes and he's really limiting the home runs. And that's what has uh, allowed him to get to those numbers. Oddly enough, on the season now, Gomber has pulled his ERA plus all the way up to 91, considering where he was and also considering he leads the league and earned runs given up. That's pretty darned impressive. He's managed to gut through it with a lot of innings pitched. Right, which is a, a value absolutely to have, especially in today's game. Uh, you know, with it just gets wild with these bullpens and stuff. So the, the guys actually put up a positive 1.1 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. He's been, in some ways, an above league average pitcher, in some ways, obviously not. It depends on how much you want to adjust for things, but now he's got a final month here to maybe pull those numbers up a little bit more. And while I don't think, you know, you're looking, hey, then even more improvement, he's a number two or a number three, but I do think you can start to look at Austin Gomber and say if he's locking it in and finding a rhythm and figuring out his way to deal with Coors Field and not, and remembering that his calling card has to be not walking guys and limiting those big innings and the big damage swings, that he can live with giving up the singles. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be a top-of-the-rotation guy, and you, you never know. Stuff does happen. Guys do bloom even later in their careers, but I think if he finishes strong, you can be looking at Austin Gomber as a guy where you go, okay, he belongs in a major league rotation, and he could be the number five on a competitive team. You know, a four or five maybe, a four and a if, if he really starts to lock it in. And if those 11 games start to be more of the norm as opposed to the rest of the time where he does have these implosions where he ends up giving up, you know, two home runs in the game against uh, Tampa, even though he managed to mostly limit the damage in that one to the three earned runs. But, you know, three home runs in a game against the San Diego Padres earlier in the season, Uh, two home runs in a game against Miami, two home runs in his opener against San Diego, which was another well-pitched game that he mostly won, but the home runs are, are a major, major thing there for him. So when he went on this stretch here where he managed to not give up any home runs in four consecutive games, um, that for me was a big, big deal for Gomber. And it's going to be interesting to see how that goes moving forward. Now, Peter Lambert 
this is fascinating, right? Because Lambert is one of the toughest guys in the entire organization to read. To, to, honestly, nobody knows for sure with any of these guys, and least of all with Peter Lambert, somebody who started out as a prospect who didn't have overwhelming numbers in a lot of ways. Again, like Gomber, his calling card was just not walking guys. And throughout the minors, he mostly managed to avoid the, the big hits as well. You know, he, he doesn't have big strikeout numbers and big strikeout stuff, but Lambert had always been that kind of player. But then he got hurt, and then there was a pandemic, and then he got hurt again, and just so much of his development, like these huge gaps in his development. And through all of that, and despite the fact that you know, he spent a lot of time in the bullpen this year. Lambert actually has 76 innings pitched, 76.1. Don't want to short him that last third of an inning. At a 102 ERA plus, slightly above the league average. And since he's moved in to a starter role, he's been even better. Eight games started at a 386 ERA. Opponents are hitting just 239 off of him. And on basing 301, he's been similarly impressive in the walk department. Not as many innings uh, as I was just talking about with Gomber with his nine walks over 60-something innings. But at 42 innings, Lambert with just the 10 walks. Only 28 strikeouts. So holding true, but this was the guy when he was coming up that I was expecting to see. And in his rookie year, you know, you always have those growing pains and the ups and the downs. And by the way, remember this when we talk about the offense. People want to see it right away with a Lauris Montero or Michael Tolia or whoever. You know, it rarely happens that way. And with Lambert, it's been so long since that opening day against Chicago, or I'm sorry, since his debut against Chicago, where he pitched very, very well. And then a lot of rough outings that rookie season to everything that I just talked about he's gone through. And this is really the first time since then he's been a regular starter and it's just eight games and like i said earlier 386 era isn't blowing the doors down but at coors field with half your games coors field and, and he does and it's half and half for him right now that is very very impressive for a guy who in terms of innings pitched is still essentially a rookie starter at coors field right and so you know, the OPS being 716 against him, slugging 415 against him, the ERA at 386, the fielding independent pitching is a little bit higher at 479, suggesting he's been getting some luck in terms of the defense, but the defense is going to remain what it is as long as he's on this club. In fact, it's probably going to get better over the next couple of years with the prospects the Rockies have coming up. So if he's a guy who's, you know, benefiting from this defense that's probably okay too can he put it together a little bit more so that if gomber is your future five he's your future four i think so i've always kind of believed that that was a good spot for lambert particularly at coors field as i've often talked about long before i knew either of these players names uh walking guys some of the best Pitchers in Rockies history, when you look at it, who didn't have the most overwhelming stuff, right? Who didn't have necessarily Ubaldo Jimenez's ability to go get a strikeout or at his peak, Jorge De La Rosa's ability to go get a strikeout. 
you know, a lot of people want to point to Aaron Cook's weak contact and the sinker thing, and Kyle Freeland has that as a part of his game too, but not walking guys is massive, especially if you can still find your way into the innings and outs. And that's what Gomber and Lambert are doing right now. And I do think with Lambert, he's probably, of these three players, the guy I'm most bullish on. But let's talk for a minute about Ty Block. Because now here's our smallest sample size, and it's because I'm just taking his as a starter right now. Because like Peter Lambert, Block has spent most of the year in the bullpen. And he was back and forth, had some ups and downs. It's tough as a long reliever. Uh, He even got DFA'd at one point by the team and came back into the organization. Colorado native Ty Block, somebody I really like talking to in the clubhouse. And since essentially, honestly, just kind of getting thrown into the starting rotation, he's posted a 3.13, yes, a 3.13 ERA over... 31.2 innings pitched. That's six starts. So, again, that is a small sample size. But guys are hitting 250 off him during that time, on basing 311, slugging 383. The OPS, the lowest of the three guys we've talked about against here today, 694. He's only given up four home runs. And, again, the walk rate right around there with 10 walks, though fewer innings, so it's a little bit higher than the other guys. But, okay. Block has been in the league a bit longer, so there's a bit more resume, a bit more book out on him, and a bit more of an understanding that he can have stretches like this. It's probably not super sustainable, but I do think he's shown that he's a guy you do you, you kind of want around your organization. I mean, just overall on the season now, 48 innings of a 128 ERA plus, that's not nothing. That's that's value. That's real value. Now, he's 32 years old. You know, like I said, he's bit, the contract has been so invaluable, I guess, at, at one point that they DFA'd the guy. But I would not at all be shocked to see, you know, because this is going so well for him right now, especially if he ends the season well, for him to come back. Uh, you know, if it's a depth piece or someone who at the beginning of the year, especially if then Bill Schmidt looks at that and goes and says, okay, I do need to get a starter or two in the offseason. That's where I'm going to spend money. It would be super weird. We know the Rockies haven't spent money on starting pitching in a long, long time, especially not starting pitching that wasn't already in the organization. But just the writing is on the wall. I think that that's where the money needs to go. And if they're going to say out loud that they intend to compete, it's the obvious thing to do is to try and go get some starting pitching that's going to bolster this. But if you're looking at Freeland, Gomber, Lambert, and then Block is kind of a stopgap between when you hope you're going to get back Marquez and Sensatella, I do see an avenue, if not a, a pretty unlikely one, But you know, and you never know with new guys. You just don't. With anyone who's never called Coors Field home, you know, you can go out and sign guys with good ERAs and good numbers and, and arms you think might play well here and, and do the due diligence, but you you really never know. But if they could go out and get a solid arm or two to add to that group and then have Marquez and Senzatella halfway through the season, I'm not sure exactly. I'll have to double check the, the expected return dates for those guys and that's always a little bit difficult to project because everyone's a little bit different, but 
there's at least some signs of encouragement, despite the fact that even Gabriel Hughes and Jordy Vargas and, and some of the guys in the minors have gone down, that at the very least, by the end of next season, the Rockies could have quite a few intriguing arms. And I, you know, this is before we, we get into the prospect look. I'm going to do that uh, as a, maybe a third or fourth part of this conversation now that I think about it, because there are some guys, especially the guys that Bill Schmidt got at the trade deadline this year with the five expiring contracts that went out and the seven arms that came in, there are going to be a couple of guys, you know, Victor Vodnik, Connor Von Skoyak, Jake Madden. Some of these guys are going to start factoring into the picture. So I really need to get uh, a fuller and, and more complete sense of what the depth of the starting pitching looks like. But at the major league level, it's they're just very clearly big holes there, right? As another way to look at it is including Freeland, if you're taking the most objective look at their numbers right now, the Rockies have four number five starters on their rotation. Any of these guys are fine if they're the fourth or fifth starter and the rest of your rotation is putting up the kinds of numbers that Marquez, Freeland, and Gray were during 17 and 18, right? If you've got that as your one, two, three, then what Gomber or Lambert or Block are doing right now is more than acceptable as your four or five. The problem is you just have no idea where you're getting that one, two, three production right now. Even a big bounce back from Kyle Freeland gives you number two production and you're still, you're a long ways away. So that's why I think they need to sign at least two guys. If that's what they're going to say at the end of this year is we think we can do better. We get the right pitching in here because we believe this young core of position players who I'm going to talk about tomorrow or the next day are going to gel and come together and reach their potential. And we think that there's enough offense and guys like Nolan Jones and Ezekiel Tovar and Doyle's going to improve a bit. And we're going to add young Kel Fernandez or Hunter Goodman or Zach Veen or all three of those guys into a mix that also might include the improvement of Tolia and or, and or Montero. And they believe that there's enough offense in there, which I think there's a case to be made. And I'm going to make that case, like I said, in a day or two, then you have to go get starting pitching somehow, some way, sign it, trade for it, whatever it is, you've got to get starting pitching because what you have now is okay depth and potentially some promising future, but just no top-end Major League Baseball starters. You need guys who can go out there, and it used to be you need at least one or two guys who can go out there and get seven or eight innings and put up two, at most, three earned runs more often than not. Anymore, it's basically quality start, guys. You need guys who can give you a quality start more often than not. And right now, it's just not clear where the Rockies are going to get that. So if it's me, that's where I'm turning my aim. But I'm also watching these three guys in particular because all three finish super strong. And if you can wave your magic wand around and, and pick one of them, I would go with Lambert because I think there's more sustainability there. I think there's the real possibility that he goes from, yeah, you're okay with him as a 4-5 to he's a very solid number three because I think he's got the mentality to succeed at Coors Field that a lot of guys lack. And I think his 
just his ability to work the zone, not walk guys, mix it up with a, a decent mix of pitches and all of that. I, I think there's a lot there to like, and he could turn himself into that. I think it's possible with Gomber block, just less likely, but let's continue to hyper-focus when those guys are out there. Chris Flexen's been decent lately too, but I just don't see him as in this category. But he could maybe, with enough good pitching, at least earn another look next spring training if both he, he and the team like the fit, right? But there's there are some things going on here that I think are worth paying attention to, especially if they can maintain through the final month. And then beyond that, they just have to go and get the starting pitching because last plug for next time, I think there's something special brewing with this position player group. So thank you all for listening in to this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I hope you will check out all of the written content over at milehighsports.com. And of course, give a subscribe to the YouTube channel because I've been doing a lot of really fun and creative stuff over there on that channel. And I really appreciate those of you who have been sharing the videos around. If you haven't yet, please check them out. Uh, Some of the stuff I'm most proud of that I've ever done in my career, actually. There's not a lot of people making that type of stuff for Rockies fans who oftentimes don't really get to celebrate their history the way a lot of other teams do. They're oftentimes made to feel ashamed of it. So I've been really proud of uh, the, the feedback I've gotten on that, people thanking me for making some of those videos. So if you haven't yet, please go and check those out on uh, the Mile High Sports YouTube channel and give them a subscribe. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.